Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. In USDA zones 8, 9, and 10, it's rose pruning season. And soon enough, after frost season passes elsewhere, everyone across the country will be faced with the challenge of tackling an overgrown, aging rose bush. How best to prune that rose bush to regain maximum rose production? We talk with a master rosarian who knows. We've got rose pruning tips as well as advice for the best tools to use and the best clothes to wear while pruning those prickly roses. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, brought to you today by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in a bit over 30 minutes. Let's get started. Well, if you're looking out your window now at your garden, you might have rose bushes. And this time of year, if you live in USDA Zone 9, they could use a little bit of help. And for everybody across the country, sooner or later, maybe by late winter or early spring, March or April, you want to do something with your roses. You know what your roses would appreciate if they're ready to be pruned is just that, a pruning. But why prune? Let's talk with a master rosarian. She's Charlotte Owendike, master rosarian of the Sierra Foothills Rose Society. And Charlotte, it's a pleasure to talk with you. And I wanted to talk with you in particular because the Sierra Foothills Rose Society, people listening may say, well, that this is just going to be about cold weather snow roses. Well, no, the Sierra Foothills actually extend from about 100 feet elevation from the rice fields of western Placer County all the way up to Lake Tahoe. So poor Charlotte has to tackle questions that range from people who are sweltering in the heat to people who are buried in the snow. So who perfect than for the Garden Basics podcast to talk to Charlotte Owendike about roses. And Charlotte, it is rose pruning season here in California. Why prune a rose? We prune them because uh, roses will keep on growing, and we want most of us have a smaller yard, and we want to size and keep them to shape. We want to get rid of the dead or disease canes that are in there, and we want to reduce the number of canes because then our blooms will be bigger, and we also want to get rid of the older canes so we have more vigorous canes so they produce a lot more roses on each cane. So that's the primary reason we prune. It's pretty easy, too, to tell the difference between a young cane and an old cane, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I like to make a joke. It's the gray beards or the gray haired ones, uh, gray color ones are the ones you want to get rid of. So, um, and it makes a tremendous difference. My sister is 94 years old and I go down there every January. She lives in Southern California and her roses were looking really bad. Her husband had done it for a while and they just topped them. They were basically all gray canes. I looked at them. I didn't know how to prune them. So I just took the worst of the worst gray canes and then I got did the regular pruning for sizing and all that kind of stuff. 
and reducing crossing canes and stuff. And the next year I came back, it was just a little bit easier to prune because I had some brand new green canes that came in the place of the one that I got rid of. So essentially in about five plus years, I got, I went from all gray canes to all green canes. The green canes will produce flowers then, but when that cane gets old and gray, does it have less ability to produce flowers? Yes. Yes. It just doesn't have the vigor. It's just like a, they're not a studly. Poor canes. <laughs> I feel sorry for them. It's it's not as vigorous. You take a look at a puppy. They can run around and do a lot of things. But as as anything gets older, the it's it, the xylem which brings the water up and the food. It just it it's not as vigorous, and so it doesn't produce as much bloom. So we have learned over time that we have to get rid of the gray canes and you don't want to do them all at once. You just do maybe one a year. And then over time, you won't have gray canes anymore because some of these canes that I've seen on roses that I've gone to other people's yards, all they do is top it off. So these canes are maybe two, three inches in diameter and they're gray woody. Well, they maybe produce two or three roses a year and they don't bloom at all the rest of the season. They just do a, a little bit in the, in the early spring and that's it. To me, my roses are blooming all year round because I want those green canes because I want them to work hard for me. All right. The only problem with all that are these little things that protrude from each of those canes. Some <laughs> varieties have more than others. And of course, we're talking I won't say thorns, even though I would like to call them thorns. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Can I call them <laughs> prickles instead? Yes, that's what that's what that's the biological term for them. They're not it's they're not thorns. It's just where they uh, erupt from the the epidermis on the skin of the of the plant, and that there's a differentiation. So they're called prickles. But we, I don't care. They're still pokey things. I mean, and exactly. most people, <laughs> there are a few roses like um, Memorial Day that have very very few prickles. It's amazing that you can touch almost all along there and there's just um, just a very few um, prickles on the whole plant. So how do you protect yourself from getting pricked by the prickles? Oh, well, we wear leather gloves. When I'm doing a really big, bushy plant, I like to wear the, uh, gloves that come up to my, my elbow. And I look for gloves that where my hands are, it's... It is goat skin and goat skin is, is a little tougher and it's harder for those prickles to punch in through it. And then the rest is done with cowhide. And that's what I wear. But sometimes when I, the plants are small and they're not that I don't have a cophony of tons and tons of canes, I just wear short little leather gloves on my hands. And I watch what I do. I'm, since I've been doing this for many years, my husband, he gets, he goes out there, he gets near a rose bush, he gets, he gets stuck by a prickle. But I very seldom do because I know where to, I look for it and I've trained myself to look for it. But then I reach for places like just underneath a flower or top of a cane. There are not going to be as many prickles there or they're going to be smaller. So that's one thing you really got to have is you got to have gloves, leather gloves. What else are you wearing? I, in my experience with pruning roses, I have discovered that if I wear a nylon jacket, it's better for me than wearing a cotton shirt or something like that, which will probably yeah, get stuck. 
you know, a sweatshirt or I always wear a long sleeve shirt with a sweatshirt over it. And I don't wear the best clothes because I might get caught on one of those things and get little holes in my t-shirt. And I have a vest that I oftentimes wear. So I, I always have long jeans on because I want to protect my legs. Um, I, I am always suspicious of gardeners in nice clothes. Yes, they don't really garden. Yes. I use my oldest clothes and I I do the SPF 50 t-shirts and they get so thin. I go, well, this isn't working anymore. It's too thin. I can almost see through it. Yes, I, I'm a good gardener because I have old clothes. <laughs> What's in your weapon arsenal? What do you use to prune roses with? Well, bypass pruners and and loppers are what we use. A bypass is, it has a scissor action. The blades cross over each other. There's another one that, um, oh, remind me what their name is. It's Um, an anvil pruner. Anvil, that's it. You don't want that. No, because they crunch the the cane and you want to cut so you get up that's why we you should use a bypass and the sharper it's better so i always recommend that before you go out and begin your pruning just sharpen uh with a a a sharpener well a diamond sharpener and just all those bypass pruners they have a little beveled edge you just kind of smooth along the edge about three or four times five at times and then try it and you'll see it should cut through um, a pencil-sized cane like butter if it's sharp enough. And it will lose its sharpness. The more you have to do, you will you may have to repeat sh- sharpening it. But that will make the biggest difference. It sa- saves on the wear and tear on your hand. You can sharpen your the loppers, which are basically bypass pruners too, and they'll have a long, longer handle. So you can get a little bit more torque. And those are usually used an inch or, or inch and a half canes. If you get a larger cane, you may even have to have a smaller version of a reciprocating saw if you don't have the strength to deal with it. Ooh, I, power. Ooh, <laughs> a power tools, yes. And that's, um, I've, I've got a climber. It's about uh, two inches in diameter. It's gray cane. And I've got canes coming off of it, but it's time to pull that out because I want some new green canes coming from the bottom. I need to use a reciprocating saw. And because they have narrow little blades on them, it's easy to cut through it and kind of angle through it with the reciprocating saw. So if you have more than, let's say, 50 roses, you invariably have a reciprocating saw because it's just easier. And this reciprocating saw, I guess it's like a rechargeable, so you're not dragging a yes, cord around. No cord. Yes. Yes. I love those rechargeables and I don't, you know, so it works really good for a lot of different things. So people are now wondering, well, how many roses does she have? About 350. You're busy. Yeah. But you know what? I'm lucky because it's my form of exercise. Um, I garden for instead of going to gym and being indoors, I go outside and, and enjoy I well, mallards in the in the backyard, other kind of wildlife. We just have it's just nicer outside than in a gym in my book. So I've, I, I actually got um, more in shape when I started when I retired and started gardening full time. Smart Pots, it's the original award-winning fabric planter. It's sold worldwide, and Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots, by the way, are BPA-free with no risk of chemicals leaching into your soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer Smart Pots. 
and they last for years. Some gardeners have been using the same smart pots for over a decade. Smart Pot's breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Because the fabric breathes, Smart Pots are better suited than plastic pots, especially for really hot and really cold climates. And unlike a plastic pot, the fabric won't crack or break from frost or when dropped. For more information, visit smartpots.com fred. And don't forget that slash fred part, because on that page are details of discounts when you buy Smart Pots at Amazon. Visit smartpots.com slash fred. If you haven't shopped at your favorite independently owned nursery lately, you know something you're missing out. Now arriving at California, Arizona, and Texas nurseries are Dave Wilson Nursery's excellent lineup of farmer's market favorites of great tasting, healthy fruit and nut varieties. They're already potted up and ready to be planted. We're talking about almonds, blackberries, blueberries, boysenberries, figs, grapes, hops, kiwi, mulberries, olives, pomegranates, and a lot more. For you gardeners in the Pacific Northwest, Mountain, and Southern states, look for Dave Wilson's Farmer's Market Favorites in January and February. You want more? Well, by the second week in January, you're going to find your favorite Dave Wilson bare root deciduous fruit trees in stock, including my favorite, the Plum Apricot Cross, the Pluot. Wholesale grower Dave Wilson Nursery has probably the best lineup of great-tasting fruit and nut varieties of any grower in the United States. Find out more at their website, DaveWilson.com. And while you're there, check out all the videos they have on how to plant and grow all their delicious varieties of fruit and nut trees. Plus, at DaveWilson.com, you're going to find the nursery nearest you that carries Dave Wilson's plants. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Well, I've noticed that all the Rosarians I know are peaceful, loving people. And I, <laughs> I, I think the reason for that is they're taking out all their aggressions on their rose bushes with their pruners and the reciprocating saws. Oh, yes. And you know what? We have another thing that we can do. What's that? It's called shovel pruning. Uh-huh. All right. Now we're getting into the methodology of pruning, which is a good thing <laughs> to get into. The timing for pruning, of course, is important. And right now, people may be seeing little buds forming on their rose canes. And that's the time to get in there and prune. And like I was mentioning earlier, this will be something that uh, people in colder zones will be doing a little later on in late winter or early spring. Right. You normally start pruning after uh, the last hard frost. In our area, our hard frost isn't very hard. So I usually start pruning just around Christmas. And we we try to wrap up in the valley area, which is much lower elevations. We tried to wrap up by Valentine's Day. But the people up the hill towards Tahoe, they're they're gonna wait till the, they got a real a pass a load of snow. They're they're doing nothing out there. They're taking easy and enjoying this tricks in the snow. And when that finally melts and they don't have to worry about any additional frost, then they'll take a look at their roses. And then you go for the dead, diseased, and damaged canes. You get rid of all those. And then you basically, when you cut a cane, you look at the inside. Is the center of it nice and white? If it isn't, if it's brownish, that means you've probably had a bore and you have to go cut a little bit further down the cane. And, And once you've get a white cane, you, you, it's perfect. You don't have to worry if it's cut at an angle or anything like that. Most people like to have the, uh, the bud, which is where if any 
branch comes out, that's where it's coming out. A bud looks like a pimple. There's a little mm-hmm. line where the where the leaf was attached, and right above that is a pimple, and that's where a new cane will come out. So it's really about it. No, it's not. We've hardly scratched the surface. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, yes. trim for size and shape too. Well, we'll get you into know. that. We'll get into that. But okay, but back up a little bit. Talk about? I, I want to talk about where you make that cut. Would you make it right above that pimple and towards an outer facing bud? Uh, yes. Yes. It's usually about a quarter inch above that. And, you know, a quarter inch, three eighths inch, it doesn't make a difference. You don't want to put an angle in where you li- cut the such a steep angle. The bud is kind of sticking by the side and the, there's a V-shaped kind of a plateau next to it. Just cut it straight across about a quarter of an inch to three eighths inch above that. You're fine. And most of the time we like an outward facing bud because we want to keep the center of the plant open so it has good air circulation the roses have to fight against some fungal diseases like black spot and mildew and if you have more open area in the it's easier for the plant it won't pick up the powdery mildew and the black spot in the center so um that's one of the things we we look to have an open structure and for example um hybrid teas they're in a vase shape and so you want to basically have most of the canes on the outside and no cr- crossing canes in the center and you want to open in a v shape and maybe here we would have two to maybe two and a half three feet tall depend if it's a very tall hybrid tea some of them are you can tell how tall you want want it if your plant at the end of the season is seven eight feet tall you probably don't need to cut it down as to two feet you may leave it at two and a half to three feet if it's a five foot tall plant or four foot then it's probably two and a two and two to two and a half feet tall we'll get into all these different varieties of roses because we're going to be throwing around some unfamiliar terms possibly to you like floribunda grandiflora hybrid tea things like that so we'll get we'll get into that (laughs) it's not hard folks just pick out what you really like i have a more basic question for you though Sure. Since, since you have over 300 roses, do you keep a garden diary and keep track of the performances of these roses? 350 is not that many because I'm out in the garden all the time. But I do have an inventory. I do track which ones. If you belong to the Rose Society or a master gardener, we ask them to rate garden roses and so if there's a new variety out we'll rate those and that's one of the things how well does it perform in our garden so i make notes to myself right, on, that's good especially the the newer varieties because i want to do a good job american rose society puts out a book called the handbook for roses and it lists they call it an ars rating ars rating will go from zero to eight and eight's the very best and the really fabulous roses are seven and a half to eight and um i have a list i was just telling you about a little bit earlier about bulletproof roses and majority of those are in as 7.5 to 8 and they're 
they're outstanding roses and a lot of them have been in commerce for long they're they are very disease resistant i like them because they're vigorous and they produce a lot of bloom and we're going to get into those bulletproof roses in the newsletter the garden basics newsletter which has its own podcast so we'll be talking about that over there so if you want more information about how to get the garden basics newsletter we'll have a link to it in today's show notes you can find information about it at farmerfred.com what i'm getting at is this the fact that with so many roses you have to probably in late summer fall you're walking down a row of roses and you look at a rose and you say you haven't done diddly for me that's exactly what i do there's some roses i know i'm going to be shovel pruning and i was i'm pruning my roses right now and i've already added two more roses to the to the shovel prune list and i basically cut them down there they're two inch their canes are maybe two three inches high and i'm just going to take my shovel to them when i'm finished pruning and get rid of them at that point because they didn't bloom for me they didn't do squat. Yeah. And if it didn't bloom or it's all, it's just, why grow them? I have other things I can grow. I, I, I'm a bit of a plantaholic. <laughs> and so I want, and I love blooms. So I want something that makes my heart sing. Also, it gives you the chance, too, that if you do live in an area where you are uh, beset with fungal diseases, which may be due to high humidity and poor air circulation among your roses, by shovel pruning, removing an entire rose bush, you're improving the air circulation. That's true. That's I, true. And we have we have an, an another name that we do. There's some plants that are mildew magnets. <laughs> okay, I like that. <laughs> and they attract diseases. The ones that I that I'm mentioning that are bulletproof, they are very very disease resistant. In the last 10 15 years, they have done a lot to improve the disease resistance of roses. In fact, very, I have very few roses, unless they were outstanding before, that are not the newer roses. Because the newer roses, I don't see the black spot on them. I don't have the pouting rain. I do not spray. And I still, when I do see it, it means I've had a very wet spring. And I may drop some leaves, but because I, I fertilize well right after I prune, they put out a whole new growth of, of green things, and then I don't have any fungal issues, at least where I live. All right. So before we start hacking away here, do one bit of uh, house cleaning here and talk about where people can find this uh, American Rose Society handbook for selecting roses that we talked about earlier. That would be a website like rose.org. That's correct. And it has, it's fun. You can sign up for a, a, a newsletter that's called Fragrant Roses. And it has a lot, it, they have a, the editor on that puts a variety of different articles in there. It's fun to read. It's, it has a lot of drool worthy pictures of roses. We like to call them rose porn. They also have a little um, store where you can buy the handbook for roses. You know, I know you have a copy because I gave you some and uh, it rates most of the roses that are available in commerce. Uh, and then it also highlights top rated roses so if you want look under um hybrid teas then it lists all the ones that are really the best of the best they also have if it's one if they have a gamble award those are fragrant roses it lists all the roses that won national or even worldwide competition for fragrance it lists those roses because a lot of people want a very fragrant rose so that's it's a guide to shopping for roses well that leads me to a very 
good question that I get to ask because it's my podcast about my own <laughs> about my own roses. One rose that I definitely have in my garden, even though I have limited amounts of sunlight, but that's getting better, I must say, is the light. I hear you've been getting rid of trees. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And the, and the neighbors have been helping, too. But... <laughs> The lighter rose, which I first saw at the Old City Uh, Cemetery in Sacramento. I just fell in love with that rose. Looks like an apple blossom. It does, yeah. And it's just gorgeous. It's it's very productive. It's a shrub rose. And uh, its rating, according to the American Rose Society, is an 8.9. Ah, okay. And so that's all right. That's a very good rose, but uh, it's an excellent rose. I have one in the front yard. It's a it's a shrub rose, so it it has a bit it has a much bigger presence. It is about five feet in diameter and about five six feet tall, and I have to yet prune it. But it's up my walkway to my front door. It people look at it. What is that plant? And they they go, that's a rose. I said, yes, it is. And it's just always in bloom. The lighter rose is in is in a focal point in my backyard, and I just love it all spring, summer, and fall. It's a shrub rose, as you said. How do you prune a shrub rose? It's the same basic principles. You get rid of those old gray canes. You get rid of the damaged, dead, and diseased canes, and then you open it up in the inside and then maybe cut it back about a third to a half from the size it was before you start pruning what if the leaves what if the leaves towards the bottom are turning yellow should i worry about that well usually when they when we have the end of the season like right now the leaves all are yellow what after you prune because we were talking about pruning but once you finish pruning you need to strip the plant of all the leaves and then clean up all the leaf detritus and any other clippings that may have fallen around the tree because that plant material can harbor fungi and so if you get rid of that for example most of the way most plants get fungi is the spores are like little seeds they they're on that detritus in the soil or on top of the soil any rain comes down it splashes up and onto the new growth and the leaves and that's then you get a reinfection so what we always recommend and we all do this you can use a blower and blow the leaves toward the grass and then pick up those leaves and then toss them out you want to get you want to toss out in your green recycle bin you want to get rid of that plant detritus i would think too you would also want to switch out the mulch if you have mulch around your roses and get fresh mulch down there yeah i normally i yeah fresh mulch or compost a top dressing on that because then that smothers it's another way of protecting the plant you know if you add compost and you add mulch it breaks down and it feeds your soil and that's that's long-term betterment of your soil if you have clay soil or if you have a sandy soil, the solution to that is to put in more and more compost. I've put down a shred of redwood bark and that will decompose over time too. And it just feeds the soil. So that's all to a benefit. And in our hot area, it saves for the evaporation of water that we do add. It also keeps the soil cooler so the plants and the roses are happier. 
Have you taken a look at the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter yet? There's one that accompanies every episode of the Garden Basics podcast. It's a deeper dive into what was discussed on the podcast, along with more great gardening information. In the current edition of the newsletter, we have a special podcast. In it, Master Rosarian Charlotte Owendike tells us about her many choices for top-performing roses that do well throughout the country. She calls it her bulletproof roses. And we'll include that list of roses as well as more information about rose pruning. We'll have diagrams and links to clarify any confusion you might have about pruning roses. And to aid your rose shopping experience this winter and spring, we'll have a deep dive in explaining the characteristics of all the popular rose varieties. You can find a link to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter in the podcast show notes or at farmerfred.com or go to substack.com slash garden basics. Think of it as your garden resource that goes beyond the basics. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter, and it's free. Please subscribe, won't you, and share it with your gardening friends and family. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred newsletter. And by the way, thank you for listening. What about miniature roses? A lot of people have miniature roses because maybe they don't have much space, but they've got containers and they've got the roses sitting in the containers on patios. Those are small plants. Usually, usually how far back can you prune those? I actually am fairly, can be fairly tough. They take a, they're little tiny, they're twiggy. So lots of times I'll take the thing, the key on all of this. And I think you've been trying to get me to do that. You look at the base of the plant because on a hybrid tea, you usually have a crown because it's made with Dr. Huey as the, as the rootstock. And then they bud on the plant that you want, like double delight or whatever. You look at, where where that comes out that's the, you thin the root stalk roots the canes at that point but with the miniature they're on their own roots and you take a look and you'll have some those miniatures grow really big and they're they're blooming machines that's a, i've always called them blooming machines i like them close to my patio and right next to the concrete they just love the heat and the sunlight they just do really really well but i i reduce it all those canes by probably a third, if not a little bit more. Anything that's really super skinny or n- older, I get rid of. I get rid of the older ones first, and I look at the base and get rid of the oldest canes, and I cut them de- basically to the ground. Then it tells me how much I have left. I may cut a few more. I don't want the really tiny little things that are only a um, quarter inch in diameter. I get rid of all that. That's too, too tiny, but... And then you bring them down to size. I have things that are called micro miniatures, but even those, they're usually maybe a quarter of an inch to a half an inch in diameter on the bigger cane. So you get rid, you bring it down to about maybe a third to half in size. Well, you just brought up. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you very much. (laughs) But you brought up another very good point to make, and that is the evil Dr. Huey. Who, oh. who is the rootstock for just about most modern roses, isn't it? That's correct. All right. And sometimes people wonder why their rosebush changed color. They used to be, you know, beautiful pink or yellow. Then all of a sudden these nondescript red roses are popping up. Yep. Sounds like a job a for a pruner. Red. 
Yep, uh, yep. Uh, those are those are roses that should be shovel pruned. Doctor Huey only blooms once a year in a in the first spring blush around April May here, and it's a it's a dusky red rose. It's a semi double. It puts out these whippy long canes. The reason they have a rootstock is because it's very vigorous. It brings a lot of nutrients to the root that you purchased, be it Double Delight or Mr. Lincoln or per, the Pretty Lady. It's good at, at feeding all the nutrients so, so you have a very vigorous bush. But what happens when you are pruning, one of the things you need to look at, and I should have mentioned this and I apologize, but if you have a, what we call a sucker, and a sucker is a piece of Dr. Huey that is usually erupting about a couple inches away from the base of your rose, and it has this long whippy cane out. You can't just clip it. You have to dig in the soil a little bit and see where it's coming off a root. And sometimes I say, if it's off that root, maybe two or three inches from the, the main stem of the thing, cut that root on the side close to the the rows and on the side and just pull that whole that piece off it's okay to cut one little root because you're getting rid of a sucker because that sucker if you leave it there or just cut the chip you cut it once and it'll put it out three or four canes and eventually you will lose the rows that you spent your good <laughs> good money for and you'll have dr huey instead all right, so you can prune out Dr. Huey and still oh, have yeah. uh, what your original rose was. Does Dr. Huey have any other telltale signs that people might notice? It's pretty thorny. Okay. <laughs> it's thorny, and it, it the canes are long and thin. Most of the roses that, like a hybrid tea, it's face shape. It's only four to five feet high or three feet wide. Dr. Huey's canes will be six, seven feet long and very thin and whip-like. Hmm. Okay, so you can look for that, too. I mean, yeah, it, it's much like citrus when you see these sprouts coming and growing straight up. That's that's a, it. That's it's a red like flag. A yeah. Yes, exactly. You can't really differentiate the the leaf form from because that would depend on which kind of rose. Some roses, you know, their new growth is red and some new growth is green. So that's not a good indicator. It's where it's coming from. It's from the it's somewhere below the crown or it's, it's coming from the root. That's the best indicator. And the best way is to, to identify and see it where it's coming off the root and then cut it cut it out and uh, that's the best way i i had one that was coming up it's off of a tree rose i had a bush there so i wasn't really good and i i had basically the tree was declining i was getting like 12 different canes coming off and so i had to cut the bush way back a wheeler's dwarf uh pittosporum way back just to find it and to <laughs> dig it out the best way to do it is when you see it go after it don't wait wait six months or a year one of the more confusing rose types to prune for a lot of people are climbers oh yeah is that even able to be described on a podcast or should i just link to a video i link to a video it's easier there um yeah it's much easier because uh it's 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 a little bit different you, you 
Yeah. (laughs) You can tell I'm going here. Um, It's much better to do that. I can tell you there's the basics are the same. You're going to dead, diseased, you know, damaged canes and you get rid of gray canes. And like I mentioned on um, my per, my um, the impressionist, I'm pulling out. I'm going to be taking a, my a reciprocating saw and getting rid of the two inch cane that's in the center. I've got a bunch of new green canes on the side of it, so it it won't reduce the amount of bloom I have. But I'm going. I'm. I. It's getting. It's too old. So I'm getting rid of that. But what you do then? It, depending if you have um, along a fence, the best thing to do is make your canes run horizontal. Then each of those butt eyes will grow up and form a flower on each end. If you let that one cane just go to the top, uh, just go straight up and down, it will only have a flower in the very top. So that's we try to make all our canes as horizontal as possible for a climber because then we have the most bloom. Then that's the only secret. You can take a look at, um, Google it, just say uh, climbing a rose uh, diagrams. And you'll see how some people put a little S shape in them. Some people, because they have, depending on the rows, are really lax. Some climbers have such stiff canes. I treat them like a very tall hybrid tea. So the, the, and sometimes you need to talk people through that. And maybe, um, for example, my club, we're going to have a special session for those people that are interested. Uh, we have one um, member who has about almost 30 climbers in a quarter acre lot. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's stunning. It's been um, Garden Gate magazine did a special publications and she was a feature article. It's very French inspired. She does arches. She has 17 arches in a row down her side yard. It's absolutely stunning. Let me tell you, a group of us, I worked on those seven. I did those 17 <laughs> roses with with a help. Two of us did 17 roses in one afternoon. It was way big job because climbers take a little bit more work. You almost have to take a look at and take some of the canes off the structure and then put them back on. So that that's where it takes a little bit of work. In the newsletter that will accompany this episode, <laughs> yes. I'm going to have definitions of Florabunda, Grandiflora, Hybrid Tea, Shrub Roses, Old Garden Roses, uh, and, and and other varieties of roses to help us speed along here. And, and I'll probably find a good link that has some good diagrams for uh, pruning climbing roses as well. Yeah. I noticed earlier you used the word principles. I'm going to be using that as the title of this episode. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm I'm flattered. <laughs> Did you mean to say that? Um, yeah, I sometimes do. Okay. It, it right. just makes sense. Yes, it does. Okay, well, I like that. Rose Principles, yes. <laughs> With Charlotte Owen Dyke, Sierra Foothills Rose Society, Master Rosarian, a lot of great information there. Rose pruning time is here for USDA Zone 9. It's coming to your zone in just a few weeks, probably. Charlotte, thanks so much for the great rose pruning information. I'm glad I, you you had a good time. I had a great time. Don't forget to check out um, rose.org and see what you can find there that may um, familiarize you with all things roses.
Don't forget, if you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's episode of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, please subscribe to the free Garden Basics newsletter. It's on Substack. Details are in today's show notes. The Garden Basics podcast will be on its winter schedule from November through January, which means there will only be one episode per week during this three-month period, and it'll come out on Fridays. Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by SmartPots, and we thank them for their support. Garden Basics, it's available for free wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.